As we continue in the book of Acts, the sequel to the Gospels, we come to a very critical and powerful portion in chapter 2 of Acts. We remember that this book, Acts, is written by a man named Luke to a guy named Theopolis, Theo for short. And Pastor Brian, he set the stage a couple weeks back, and now we're going to pay very close attention to what Pastor Josh alluded to last week. We are going to step into a historical event after the resurrection of Jesus. What we need to know about the Word, our text, the Bible, is that it is inerrant, which means it's incapable of ever being wrong. It's a revelation of God to us, humanity. So Luke is giving this account of a revelation and quite possibly a revolution by the end of this text. He shares imagery and allows us to be a part of this passage. He wants us, the believers of faith, to understand and to be encouraged by Christ's work in us through the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. Your first outline answer is, without the work of the Holy Spirit, we lacked activation, participation with Christ himself. We are witnesses of Christ's work because of the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit in our lives as believers, life will be very, very difficult. Can I get an amen? Amen. But I believe that the Spirit is very much alive and it's active in our life today as it was 2,000 years ago. In Acts 2, the disciples' passion and zeal for Christ, it took the gospel across every ethnic and every national boundary. The Holy Spirit that was activated in the upper room in chapter 2 of Acts is the same Spirit that is active and alive in your hearts this morning. It's fire, it is a gift, and it is an eternal promise. And that is this morning's message. Are you excited? I am. Amen. I'm excited too. (laughs) I don't know if you heard that online. They're super excited. So I hope you are too. So last week, we learned that the disciples, they were all together in one place, and they rolled the dice and they got Pastor Josh kidding. I mean, Matthias. So there's a new crew and they're all together. And we pick up in chapter two, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly say suddenly, suddenly a sound like a blowing violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, other languages, as the Spirit enabled them. So let's stop right there. Can you envision that? There's tongues of fire resting on them. They were celebrating a Jewish holiday called Pentecost. And Pentecost is a very important Christian uh, holiday, and it falls on our Christian calendar. It marks 50 days after Easter. If you go back and you read the Old Testament, you'll discover that Pentecost was one of many Jewish holidays. Only they didn't call it Pentecost. That's what the Greeks called it. The Jews called it the Feast of Harvest. Now stick with me because all that matters and it will make sense in a few. Today, Pentecost is celebrated as a holy day of when the Spirit fills the church and it falls on these disciples. 
Back then, it was just celebrated as a harvest day. So for all you farmers, Pentecost is all the time. So back then, there was two harvests a year. The early harvest came during the months of May or June, the beginning of the year, and the final harvest was later in the fall. And Pentecost was celebrated at the very beginning of the early wheat harvest. So they're celebrating this harvest when all of a sudden here comes this wind that brings fire upon them and enables them to speak different languages. When the people outside heard that they were speaking different languages, they were confused, they were blown away. They couldn't figure out for the life of them what was going on, and they kept saying, aren't these Galileans? Now remember, they're in Jerusalem, and Galilee is way north, so that would be like Canada. So if someone just walked in and was like, hey mate, or I guess Australia, they had a different (laughs) dialect and a different tone, and you would notice that. So these people are super confused, And they say, how come we can understand what they're saying in our mother language, our our mother native tongue, our mother tongue? They're speaking this language, and yet they're describing God's powerful works. And some were still confused, and they kept asking, what's going on? What does this mean? And others joked, it might be some cheap wine that they're drinking. I'm not making that up. That's in scripture. So let's answer that question. What does this mean? So this morning, you heard a prayer spoken from a beautiful woman of God named Clara Beck. I want you guys to settle down. She's a good Nazarene girl. I gave her a breathalyzer. It's all good. What a gift that was. Wasn't that a gift? Did you guys understand what she was saying? You didn't? I did. That was powerful. She spoke with effortless grace, compassion, with love. Thank you. With reverence to God for the Holy Spirit to come and be awakened in us and rest upon us through the world, through his word. She kept saying, Father, when you recognize, whether you recognize it or not, you can attest to it being real, to it being genuine, to it being true. Now you're saying, Callie, you know what? She speaks Spanish fluently. Yes, that's true. That's correct. But I guarantee you, someone in this room and someone online knows what she said. Her language is distinct for someone that can understand what she's saying. The beautiful language of Spanish is not just spoken by Clara and not only understood by me. Different languages were created for different groups of people with the great intention of bringing them back to Jesus, bringing God's people back to him. So the answer to this question is, what does that mean? Why a different language? Two things. God's people speak different language because the work of the Holy Spirit harvests many different people. That is why it's important. Where would we be without the gift of Clara? What if someone walked in right now and they were speaking Spanish and Clara was not here? Everybody would be like, what are they saying? I don't know, Dorito, taco, I don't know what to do. What would we do? How would we communicate to them? How would they communicate to us? What would be their needs? And how could we meet their needs? That is why we need Clara. 
and many others that can speak other languages. The second is there's great value in knowing that the presence of the Holy Spirit is working in someone that can share the gospel in various forms. That's very, very important. So the disciples were up in the upper room, and so they were given this new language so that they could go out and share it in different languages. We ought to value what we have here in, in PFN, someone that is full of fire, has a gift, and the eternal promise living within her, that she has conviction and passion and can literally speak another language. What a gift. Can you imagine in this moment if the Holy Spirit were to invade this place and place a new language upon you now? That you were filled with a presence that enabled you to speak another language to someone you do not even know. That would be incredible. I really, really want you to teach me how to speak French. I think that's so fancy. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit is not limited to tongue. You don't have to download Babel and learn a new language. It's necessary, but it's not necessarily needed. You don't have to learn a new language to share the truth. You just have to know scripture and live it out with conviction. That's truth. What we need is fire. We need fire from the Holy Spirit. We need fire to refine us and to purify us so that we are enabled to speak what the Holy Spirit wants us to speak. That is the truth. That is what the Holy Spirit is, and that's what the Holy Spirit does. Its essence is truth, and it reveals truth. We need the fullness of the eternal promise residing in us so that we can testify of God's great works, his faithfulness, his goodness, signs and wonders. And so that's what Peter did. Peter, he stood up with the 11 that backed him and he addresses the crowd. And he says this with bold urgency, fellow Jews, all of you who are visiting Jerusalem, listen carefully and get this story straight. These people aren't drunk as you suspect. They haven't had time to get drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. And so he speaks about this prophecy that Joel had said many, many years. That's what the song was all about that we just, we just listened to. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on every kind of people. Your sons will prophesy and also your daughters. Your young men will see visions and your old men dream dreams. When the time comes, I will pour out my spirit on all who serve, men and women both, and they shall prophesy. I will set wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billowing smoke. The sun will turn black and the moon blood red. The day before the Lord arrives, this tremendous day and marvelous, and whoever calls out for help, to me, God will be saved. It's getting good, right? He's got conviction. Not only is Peter, Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, the dude's on fire. He's on fire at this point, and he's backing up scripture, and he's testifying. He's speaking about, and he's walking out what the prophecy Joel says, and he goes on to say, fellow Israelites, 
Listen carefully. Twice he says that. Pay attention. Jesus, the Nazarene, the man thoroughly accredited to you by God, the miracles, the wonders, the sign that God did through him, it's common knowledge. You've seen it. This Jesus, this well-thought-out plan of God was betrayed by men who took the law into their own hands and handed over to you. And what did you do? You nailed him to a cross and you killed him. But death has no match for him. And he says to the crowd with great conviction and boldness, he says again, he calls them friends, he addresses them friends, let me be frank with you. If he has not made it clear, he continues and he says, Jesus, the man that God raised up, every one of us is a witness to it. You saw it. You saw that he was raised to heaven to be with God, and he received the promise of the Holy Spirit from the Father. And not only that, he pours out his spirit onto us, and he will do it to you. That is what you see, and that is what you hear today. Peter declares, all Israel, know this. There is no longer room for doubt. You can't doubt it anymore. You saw it. God made him master and Messiah, King Jesus, this guy that you killed on the cross. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. They knew that they did something wrong, and they all said to the apostles and to Peter, brothers, what shall we do? So there's two very important uh, questions that these people ask. What does this mean, and what shall we do? What shall we do? And Peter's got a great answer. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children. And with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. You know, Peter mentions this gift and he mentions a promise, the gift of the Holy Spirit and the promise of eternal life. You know, I love gifts, I do. My favorite part, I love giving gifts. That's probably my favorite thing in the whole wide world to do. I love to randomly surprise people and give stuff away. My husband doesn't like it, but he's, don't tell him. <laughs> I love to give things away. It's something that I've always done. Um, if I see something that I think a friend needs, I'll buy it. If I see something that I just think, you know what, I'll buy that, because it might have a need later, I'll do that. Like, like right now, let's just, let's just give some gifts away. There you go. You're welcome. This is really interactive. It's kind of like, you know, when birds are like chirping out of like the nest, like me, me, me. Here you go. I love you. Here you go, Tony. You're welcome. Wasn't that exciting? Were you guys like, please pick me, please pick me. I really, really love Sonic. I love to do that. It excites me, it fills my bucket. 
Like Christmas. Oh, I love Christmas. It kills me. Christmas kills me because I want to buy everything for everyone. Maybe that's why I've like never won the lottery because I'd be broke like the next day. <laughs> who likes Christmas? Every, who doesn't like Christmas? I love Christmas. We love the holiday of Christmas because of our Savior, don't we? It was the birth of our Savior. He came as a symbol of love and grace for all of humanity. But let's just say for the sake of argument that uh, the season of Christ's birth was in fact another season on the calendar. Like it's not the hallmark holiday that it's become. So let's just say Jesus was born on another day, um, March 18th. That's a great day. It's my birthday. (laughs) Yet we'll still celebrate Christmas for what it is, the hallmark holiday that what it's become. So we'll spend money that we don't have on people that we don't like. We'll bring in a Christmas tree and we'll decorate it, stuff it in the corner. We'll make some cookies for this guy that's going to climb down our chimney. That's not super sketchy. And his name's St. Nick. Like, what is all that about? And he wears a really weird costume. So we'll bring out our Christmas tree, the artificial one, which makes no sense. We'll dust it off. You know, there's some people in this place that have more than one. You know, there's some people that have like seven, Amanda Brown, Greta Nash, seven Christmas trees. Can you believe that? That is wild, but they love it. Some of of us might, you know, dust off these old trinkets that we just can't get rid of because they mean something special. It's Christmas. Let me get back to my point. We can become so fixated on the idea of getting the gifts of all that glitters and all that's gold, yet forget the gift giver the one that gives the gift. You know, a couple years back, I was sitting at home doing some homework. I was like in the thick of it. And I had messy hair, didn't care attitude, and probably on my third cup of coffee. And uh, there's a knock at the door. And me being me, I just wanted to sink down and like make my, like scurry down the hallway thinking like they've got the wrong place. It's not really for us. So I sat there for a second thinking, they'll go away. But they didn't. They just kept knocking at the door. And in fact, it was for me. And my husband, Brock, says, uh, he's calling. And he says, hey, there's someone on the ring camera. You probably should go check it out. So I'm like, "Okay." Now, ladies, I don't need to tell you this. When you don't expect anyone coming to your house, you know what you're wearing, okay? Like, you don't have nothing, like, packaged, okay? So I had to run to the bathroom and put on a robe and go slowly open the door. And there's this guy standing there with, like, professional clothes. He's got a suit and tie, not Pastor Brock, but he's all dressed up in professional gear. And he's standing there, and he has a set of keys, and he says, are you Callie Lindenfelser? And unsure of who I am, I'm like, yeah? Like, I don't know who I am. And he introduces himself and he says, I'm Alan from Sam Lehman. And he's dropping off a 2018 Chrysler Pacifica. Shocked and confused and utterly embarrassed. It's two in the afternoon. I've still got pajamas on. I go outside to make sure that this was legit. I was still in disbelief and to this day I still am. Y'all, my husband bought me a brand new van. Give it up for him, right? Because he loved me. He didn't have to do it, and I didn't have to do anything for it. Lord knows I don't deserve it. It's always dirty. It's always on empty. I'm constantly hot rotting all the time. (laughs) 
everywhere. You see me in Costco, you see some of those black lines, that's me. Because he loved me, he bought it for me and he paid for it. Well, I kind of have to pay the monthly payments, but he did a whole year of oil changes. Y'all, that's a gift, because I forget. I'm like, what's smoking? <laughs> but let me tell you, we can have a tendency of becoming numb to the gifts we receive sometimes, yeah? We can get bored, it's not as shiny as it used to be. We can lose focus on the excitement of what it once was. We can live in an area of distraction and become complacent and explore other new fun gifts rather than be grateful for what we have, content for what we have, and completely exclude the gift giver. Not even think of them as they thought of you. Y'all, I ain't talking about my minivan anymore. You see, the Holy Spirit is the greatest gift ever, ever the Holy Spirit doesn't come in installment plans. The Holy Spirit doesn't need a loan. The Holy Spirit doesn't require a GPS. The Holy Spirit is a one size fits all for all time. And the Holy Spirit can come and it can come now. It can come suddenly. We must set our hearts aligned with the Holy Spirit and recognize, remember, and respond, especially about these passages. What Peter said about the gift the fire, the eternal promise. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, he says, in the name of Jesus, and you'll receive the greatest gift of all time, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and a promise for you and your children. He pleads, save yourself from this generation, this corrupt generation. We think it was, it's bad today. It was bad back then. We could walk out these doors and we could proclaim the gift and not fear being beheaded. This generation needs to repent. It needs Holy Spirit truth. True repentance or tr real genuine truth leads to repentance. Repent is a strong church word and I'll make it really easy. Repentance just means that you must have a genuine, a genuine, sincere remorseful heart, and that you're willing to change that direction. You're going to turn away from that posture. You felt this way, you feel bad about it, you change your attitude, and you turn. That's what repentance is. It's needed in order to validate true mercy. See, mercy is the precondition. It's the prerequisite of granting forgiveness. You desire forgiveness, then repent. Change your heart condition. You must do the work because God's already done his part. It's up to us to do the work. This generation is full of broken promises and false giftings. We are too distracted to even acknowledge and recognize we must repent in our ways. We must confess that we're living in an area of distraction far from the Holy Spirit. And as believers, it ought to be evident that the Holy Spirit is the work and the witness in our life. And perhaps you've recognized that you've become indifferent, maybe icy, cold. You really don't have empathy for anyone or anything. And maybe you're living a life that does not, or has not, and does not reflect what the Holy Spirit says in His Word. You see, the Holy Spirit is the communicator of God. It talks to you, and you can talk back to it. 
The Holy Spirit does not extinguish. It's passionate. It burns hot 24-7, like the wheels on my van. And maybe you've recognized today that you need the Holy Spirit activated in your life, that it ought to take residence in your life, that it lives in your heart. Allow the Holy Spirit to open your eyes, allow the Holy Spirit to open your ears, and allow the Holy Spirit to open your heart to hear what you would need. Today is the day that you recognize and you say with your mouth and with an open heart, Holy Spirit, I surrender to you. Dwell in my life. And maybe it's absolutely personal. Holy Spirit, I remember your faithfulness. I remember your faithfulness. Lord, I've become numb. Forgive me, Lord. I've been living in a world of distractions and simply have not spent time with the gift that you have given me. I've set your presence as a present on a shelf of self-righteousness as other shiny things have captivated me yet has not fulfilled me. But today, Lord, I remember that you are the gift giver. Lord, I remember that this gift was not cheaply wrapped and placed under a Christmas tree, but given abundantly as an inheritance of peace and a guarantee to never, ever be alone. Lord, I remember the source from which it came. Lord, I remember the cornucopia of the harvested fruits of the Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, that your Spirit brings love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and justice gentleness and self-control. Lord, I remember the Holy Spirit. It enables me to receive wisdom, understanding, knowledge, counsel, fortitude, which means courage, piety, which means devotion and submission unto the Lord. Lord, I remember your nudges. Don't you guys love that? The simple, soft, sweet nudges that he is relentlessly pursuing you, initiating conversations. Thank you, God, for that gift. Today, I choose to become sensitive to your spirit, sensitive to its convictions, its leadings, its guidings, its correctings, and its comforting. What a great gift you have given us, Lord. Thank you. Maybe there's someone here that has surrendered Maybe you've remembered the faithfulness of the Lord, but maybe you backslid on your faith and your walk with Christ and you desperately, you're desperate and you're willing for that fire again. Amen. And this is an urgent response. Holy Spirit, I will respond. I will respond. I need a revival. Set me on fire. Fill me up and set me on fire. I've seen that. It's crazy and it's true. I've seen people on fire. There's people on fire right now. I see you guys burning with the Holy Spirit, ablaze and set on fire, and it's changed you. Listen, if you have not been on fire, then you need the Holy Spirit. It needs to fill you up and set you on fire right now because the Holy Spirit will consume you. It's consuming. It's not illuminating because that's talent and that's skill. The Holy Spirit fire is consuming and maybe there's some of you like, I just want a little toast. I just want to dip my toe on the edge. And that's okay. That's pretty. Okay. But maybe you're needing that blazing fire to set you on fire that it will burn away anything that that sneaky devil wants to bring to you. You see, fire is refining. It's attentive. 
It burns through junk. It's consuming. And the Holy Spirit fire is not only consuming, it overflows and overwhelms the love of Christ, and it cannot be contained. God consumes you from the inside out, and that's powerful. Who desires that today? Hopefully everyone. Everyone should be on fire. Maybe there's someone here that doesn't know Jesus yet as their personal Savior, so they're like, set what on fire? I'm what? And you're thinking, yeah, Jesus, you can save me, but I'm not really ready for the Holy Spirit to make all my decisions in my life yet. You're still lingering on that fence. Let me tell you, that hurts. Not just physically. It hurts spiritually, okay? Not just physically, but spiritually. That's our, eternal, our eternity. Our soul lives forever. You can keep making decisions that are not spirit-led, and you're going to be frustrated and overwhelmed because you don't know what your next steps are. You don't know what to do next. And you know what? Jesus can be the source of your salvation, and that's great. Yet the life of the spirit will affect your everyday life as a believer. It's essential. You need that. Have you ever met someone that was so messed up that they thought, I'm just too tough to go to a counselor or a therapist? I'm like, nah, I don't need to go to that. And you're thinking, yeah, dude, you definitely need to go to that. You messed up. Well, guess what? Today's the day to surrender to that. The Holy Spirit, it specializes in messed up people. It got me and I was messed up, like tore up from the floor up. The Holy Spirit is the best counselor. It's your spiritual mentor. It's your advocate. It's your helper. It's your mediator, your encourager. Its job is essentially to awaken the desire of the eternal promise for you. You just have to be open to it. Today is the day that you say with your mouth and with your open heart, I choose to believe. I choose to repent and be baptized by the Holy Spirit. And this prayer's for you. If this is you, I ask you to bow your eyes and bow your head and close your eyes. Forgive me, Jesus, for the sins that I've carried. Lord, I repent from them and I ask you to come into my heart and make me new. I choose to believe that your word is true. Teach me to obey them and I ask for the Holy Spirit to guide me now for all my days and all of my nights. I desire to live a life worthy of the eternal promise because of you. I trust and I believe that if you said that prayer with a genuine and repentant heart that the Lord's spirit has taken up residence in your life, amen, and you have an eternal promise sealed upon you, given the gift of the Holy Spirit to, to be able to walk through any fire. As we finish this morning, if you still have your communication card, I would love for you to respond to these, to these moments. And there's still time. Write it somewhere. I want to connect with you this week and see what the Lord is speaking to your, to your, into your life. Not necessarily into your mind, but into your heart. In the final closing scripture of my message, it says these words of Peter in verse 41. Those who have accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to the number that day. 3,000 people that were there listening and 3,000 more were added to the number that day. Y'all, that was a huge church. 
filled with the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the rejoicement, the rejoicing and the excitement in heaven? Can you imagine the excitement and the rejoicing there in Jerusalem? Can you imagine the Spirit moving that powerfully in any place that it would call you to speak about the fire, the gift, the eternal promise? Can you imagine that happening at 3514 Broadway Street? Can you imagine that happening at 104 West Lee Street in Tremont? Can you imagine that happening at 14 North 9th Street in Pekin? What about 1104 Sheridan Road? Or 211 Schramm Drive? 205 Brookside Place, 310 North Parkway, 111 North Main Street, 316 East Birchwood Street, 2502 Brook Lawn Ave. 1822 Valley Vista. Can you imagine that happening in those residents, in all of ours? Can you imagine that happening, that it pours out and you're enabled to speak with fire, with passion of the gift of the eternal promise? I can imagine that because I know Jesus. I know what his good works have done. His spirit can't be contained in an empty grave. It can't be hidden and it can't be kept quiet. It's an eternal promise of a gift given to us now and we must spread it like wildfire. We're gonna have a moment of worship. As we close, I allow the spirit to just wash over you and just be in the presence. Let's worship.
last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on every kind of people. Your sons will prophesy and your daughters. Your young men will see visions. Your old men dream dreams. When the time comes, I'll pour out my spirit on those who serve me, men and women both, and they'll prophesy. I'll set wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billowing smoke, the sun turning black and the moon blood red. Before the day of the Lord arrives, the day tremendous and marvelous, and whoever calls out for help to me, God will be saved. Let's sing hallelujah this morning. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. Lamb is overcome. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. We sing thank you for the gift, the precious gift of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that today we would feel a move of the Holy Spirit, not only in our own lives, but among your people, among this church. Father, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. 
living and active in us, enabling us to do what you've asked us to do. Help us to stay connected to the power source of our faith. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your presence among us today. Father, I pray that you would just make it really clear for people thinking like, I just really don't understand what this is all about. Jesus, I pray for your wisdom today, for your discernment. Thank you for your beautiful gift. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.